even now I'm trying to, you know, trying to consider how I word things. It's not okay what Oster does to people. And it's not just me. I've had too many meetings with head teachers who are so stressed, really strong, resilient people who've ended up taking a bit of time off, ended up on, on medication, who've, who've retired because they don't want to go through it again, who've quit because they haven't got it in them to go through another Ofsted. And these are, you know, these are good people. And, and, and a couple of months back, somebody said to me, even the good ones are leaving now. And, and I just thought, I, I, can't, I can't do this. It's not okay. It, it does need to change. Welcome to Rethinking Education. Education's critical friend. Hello once again, my fathomless friends. My name is James Mannion. Welcome to the Rethinking Education podcast, Education's critical friend. I'm going to do a very quick introduction this week because I am busily preparing for the Rethinking Education Conference, which is taking place next Saturday at Parliament Hill School. There are a few tickets remaining if you're interested. In this episode, I'm speaking with Dave McPartlin, the head teacher of the incredible Flakefleet Primary School in Lancashire. I spoke to Dave in the midst of the crisis that was swirling around Ofsted earlier this year as part of a series of episodes focusing on why Ofsted needs to change and how. Prior to this, Dave had done a number of quite high-profile interviews and appearances, notably on BBC Breakfast, where he was talking very openly and earnestly about the mental health issues that he himself has encountered as a direct consequence of Ofsted and the pressures that that brings to head teachers. This is a very earnest and, I think, important conversation, and there will be further episodes in this series on Ofsted. It's been quite instructive and refreshing to revisit this conversation as we move into a new era where there's a new chief inspector at Tofsted, Sir Martin Oliver, who's about to take post. And I saw an interview where he said he wants to do a big listen. He wants to understand what people think of Ofsted and how it might improve. And I hope that this episode reaches his ears as well as yours. So without further ado, I will now hand over to my recent fascinating conversation with Dave McPartlin. I hope you enjoy the show. Dave McPartlin, welcome to the Rethinking Education podcast. Hi, James. Thanks for having us. Thank you for joining me. It's been an eventful few weeks um as you'll be aware and so and so usually these these conversations are are quite long in-depth long-form conversations but this series that i'm doing initially i started i put out a tweet and said oh do, like do any head teachers uh former head teachers want to come and share their experiences with ofsted and we could do it anonymously if people feel nervous about speaking out and so on and quite a few people responded. And now it seems to be growing. I interviewed some former inspectors recently and young people are going to get involved. And this thing seems to be seems to be growing, as indeed this debate seems to be showing no signs of abating. Um, so we'll get into all of that. I would really like to, to spend some time speaking. We probably don't have time today, but I'd love to, to, to chat to you sometime about your amazing appearance on... Britain's Got Talent a few years ago where the, you, you took the kids on. If anybody hasn't seen this clip, I'll, I'll stick a link to it in the show notes. There's something else. I don't know if you've just got any brief comments on that. 
Well, it was just, you know, it, it was one of the most ridiculous moments of my life. I think it will always be that that month. I'm not quite sure how that happened. We're um we're in a, a you know a community that might be considered to be disadvantaged, you know, high deprivation. I don't like making a singing and dance about it, but times are tough. And we'd we'd come up with this dreams list. Um the whole idea was to raise aspirations, show kids our community that anything was possible. We had a, a daft run at Christmas number one. We ended up with a top 40. We were third favourites, third in the downloads. A battle <laughs> bus, a plane flying around the, uh, the area with a banner flick for Christmas number one. And then anyway, we had, um, we had we got a golden buzzer and we literally, we had no idea whatsoever. Uh, we took 50 kids, half of them on free school meals, you know, some with special needs, some that had been excluded in the past. It was a real you know eclectic mix of children and the next thing you know we get a golden buzzer and 50 kids got a, a six nights all expenses paid in a five-star luxurious luxury luxurious hotel in london 50 of the parents um uh, you know david williams came to school in his helicopter did an assembly <laughs> they all got a book it was just it was just the most unbelievable moment of my entire life and i think we would all say that um but you know that one of the things that we we we've got in our uniform at the minute is is hashtag dare to dream, and and the whole idea is you know don't don't ever tell our kids that they can't do something. You know you you might not get where you want to in that dream or that that ambition, but nobody ever regrets giving it a go, and and that's what we encourage them to do. You know at least take that tiny step to making some special things happen. So yeah, that were that was a very special one. I still watch that on the darker days where I'm a bit stressed. I'll go home and, and put the golden buzzer on and uh, maybe shed another tea now and again. Yeah, it's quite something. It's just so gloriously chaotic as a performance. That kid in the bin and like rolling across on little rollers, and it's absolutely amazing. Uh, anyway, yes, I'd love to. I'd love to chat to you more about that sometime. But let's get into this far weightier and more serious conversation. And this, we're recording this for the benefit of listeners and viewers. Um, we are recording this the day after Amanda Spielman, the chief inspector, did a really quite astonishing interview on Laura Koonsberg's Sunday morning show. And I'm sure we'll get into that as well. Um, but let's just, let's just rewind. So, so that, so then I was, I, I sort of invited you to, to do this conversation because I saw that you had been on the BBC um, recently um, and that you were one of the first people or perhaps the first uh, of, of the, the several head teachers now who've spoken out about the impact that Ofsted uh, has had and can have on your mental health and that of your colleagues. So, um, where where does this begin for you? What what makes what's what makes sense as an entry point into this recent sort of? Um, I mean, obviously, Ruth Perry um, was the was the, the 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 reason that everybody started to started to have this conversation. Um, feelings are running high. When did this become something that that you became very involved in? I think I've been a, I've been head teacher twelve years now, um, and and I teach another ten or so before that, and I think what I've always um, I have resented it. I was going to choose a more careful word, but I have resented the fact that when you're building up to Ofsted, which, you know, they can come anywhere between three, four, five years. If you're an outstanding school, it could be a lot longer than that. It, I've always resented the fact that you just build up and build up and build up and it becomes more and more and more stressful. And an analogy that I drew on, on Twitter last week, I think, 
Um, imagine you, you you want this job. You 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 know you 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 really really want this job, and you've got an interview, and you've swatted up. You've done your research. You've spoke to colleagues. You've done everything that you possibly can. You don't you think that you couldn't be any more prepared, but you don't know when the interview is going to be, and you're going to get a phone call between ten and twelve, and the interview could be t- will then be tomorrow. But the call might not come this week. And then when you get to Wednesday, you know it's not coming this week, so you 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 wait the next week. But you can end up waiting weeks, months, even years, and 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 I don't think that that's a a great way to live. And then when when you get the interview, you might have a team that hopefully there are lots of really good inspectors out there who do get you, who've sat in that chair, they've got the responsibility, and and they get it. But equally. There are a, a proportion of inspectors out there who I think make the experience more difficult, more challenging, more stressful than it needs to be. So not only are you waiting for the phone call, but then the, the, the phrase that I hear all the time is, I just hope we don't get the wrong team. I hope we get somebody who gets us. So then you you have your inspection and, and hopefully they've all been, you know, we've, we've always got the outcome we wanted so far. And then you, you almost, you crash, you know, there's, there's kind of like a bit of a post offset slump because you can't maintain that level of adrenaline. And then, you know, then then things are okay and then they build up progressively. And I think that's what's really difficult, that it just seems to come in in cycles. And, and I watch what it does to colleagues, particularly when they maybe get the wrong outcome. Skills like ours in, in more disadvantaged areas, we're four times less likely to get an outstanding we have got additional pressures on us, and I don't think the framework reflects reflects that. So it's lots and lots of different things, but I guess I've always been aware. And then when Ruth Perry, the news came out, said that she'd committed suicide, I think it just it hit a raw nerve that you think, God, if I if I had a bad one, it could have gone wrong for me. I don't think I'd ever do that, but then nobody can ever say that. And I, I've sat with too many colleagues who've been in tears post Ofsted or, or even in tears waiting for it. And and I just don't, you know, we spend so much time in school on psychological safety and the culture and and how we do things. I just don't think that it's it's fit for purpose these days. You know, there's there's got to be a better, kinder, more productive and more constructive way of doing it. Yeah, I completely see that. And and it, it does there are many aspects of this that are sort of cruel, aren't they? Like the way that it's set up does sort of seem cruel, especially the way in which um you're not allowed to tell anybody the judgment afterwards seems just really unnecessary. And Ofsted have, have changed that, right? They, 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 they made, they published a statement recently, didn't they? Where they said that we're going to make it so that, so that they can, it's one of the few concessions that they've made since this whole thing blew up that they, that you can now speak to a few co- co- others in confidence, but you can't publicize the, the result. Yeah. I, I think what's interesting about that is I think the majority of people have always shared it with their staff. You know, yeah, I, that that has been my experience, and I think that that that's fair. And you know, you know, it's that agreement. You know, you don't say anything, but, and to be honest, I think staff are very, you know, every staff I've ever got very, very good at doing that. But the idea that you're you're sat on, say you, you've had an inadequate, and it could be something that you know, a piece of paper that you you know that you should have had in place that you thought that you'd done, you know, a misstep, some something that could be put right pretty quickly. And the idea that I have to, you know, go to bed on a night thinking, God, the, the, the world's going to know that I'm inadequate. That one word, you know, you're teaching and like Ruth's school, the teacher, I'm sure that everything else was good. The the, the teaching, um, earlier, all these things, but you go to bed thinking the world's going to be told that I'm inadequate in a couple of weeks time. 
I just wouldn't sleep. I, I struggled at the best of times with, with my stress. You know, I think any head teacher who's honest, most people do get get quite stressed in the job because it's tough. Mm. Um, I, I just think that is brutal to have to sit on that for a couple of weeks. Completely. And even, I mean, that word, to speaking of things that are cruel, you know, because like adequate, it's not good to be called adequate even, is it? Like barely adequate is like just, you know, an adequate human being. Like it's not, it's not a compliment. And to be, no, it, to, to be not even adequate, to be like inadequate, it's just such a, like a, just a pejorative term. Like the, the obviously the head teacher is going to take personally, especially in a, in the case as with Cavisham, where it was leadership and management that was considered to be inadequate and everything else was good. And that just doesn't make sense, does it? You think, well, how can that be inadequate if everything else is good? How can inadequate leaders be leading a school that is good in all these other ways? That doesn't make sense. And so it doesn't make sense. But the actual the, the word and there was an interesting thing in the interview with with Amanda Spielman yesterday where where Laura Koonsberg asked her about the, the, the word, about the, the, the label, and how she, was, she, she said, why don't you just take away the label and give, it, give, give, this, give, give the parents a four-page report? And she sort of did this weird thing in her answer where she said, well, there's two things there, and, and she mainly spoke about the first one, which was that, we should, like, that you're suggesting that we should just change that word inadequate to something else, like unsatisfactory or whatever, or rubbish or just terrible or something. But nobody was suggesting that. Like the, the point, nobody's saying we should change the labels. People are saying we should get rid of the, the four-point scale for a whole range of reasons, one of them being that it's completely methodologically, like it doesn't stand up to scrutiny, the idea that you can distill, reliably distill, something as complex as a school community on a, on a four-point scale. Like, it just doesn't... You're right. I mean, you, with the best will in the world, with the best training in the world, it's never going to be objective because it's it's humans. You know, it, it's humans that are coming in. And we've all we've all got our little pet pet uh, you know pet peeves the things that that would like to be, we'd like to be seen done a certain way, and with the best will in the world, you are never ever going to make an objective. I think the other thing that I would say is that we are living in a different world, and maybe t- even ten years ago, social media and things going viral wasn't as common. Whereas now that that inadequate, which you know, yes, it might have been in the local paper, and that might have hurt. Um, but a week later, it was old news, whereas now things can rumble on on social media. It can be such a cruel, brutal place, and it's so public. You know, so easy to share things these days. And I, and I think part of it is we are, we are living in a different world, and, and, I'm, and I'm not sure that the whole process reflects that now. Yes, absolutely. And and so 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 it sounds like you've been you've been dissatisfied. You used the word resent earlier, that you've resented this the situation where you're sort of in this window of scrutiny you don't know when it's going to land so it's like out of your control that's a that's almost like the definition of, of stress and so so obviously the, the situation with Ruth Perry sort of brought everything to a head and then you did an interview on the BBC didn't you where you were perhaps the first or certainly one of the first head teachers to speak out um you know in 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 public as it were with you not being anonymized to talk about the impact that that Ofsted um can have on your mental health and that of your colleagues um could you talk a little bit about that what was it that prompted you to want to yeah, to speak I, out there you know I, I, it started around the time that, that that the news came out about Ruth Perry's suicide um I was cleaning now um, one of the tables in my bedroom 
Um, and and I was cleaning out the tablets, if I'm totally honest. I've never really talked quite so openly about this. Um, but I was cleaning out the drawer and I, I suddenly realised that, you know, over the last 10 years or whatever, there was, you know, th- you know, I tried different things and, and then the penny dropped that I seem to end up, you know, getting help for my sleep or for my anxiety when I'm in the offset window, which sounds ridiculous. You know, I, I can deal with what most of what life throws at me, but then when you end, you end up in that offset window, that relentless day after day, that that unknown, you know, when when's it when's that phone call going to come? I've got everything in place, um, and and I took a picture of it, um, and I thought at some point, if I'm feeling you know brave, ready to to embrace a bit of my vulnerability. Um, I'm, I'm going to tell you know put it out there because I've noticed that I, I'd, I'd started having conversations with staff who maybe just weren't in a great place, like me struggling with their sleeve, their anxiety. Um, I do think mental health is more, much more of an issue recently. Same with parents, and I, I started being honest with them, like you know, like have, have you been to the doctors? You know, have you tried this? Have you tried that? And they were always quite surprised when I opened up to them because on, on paper, I'm one of the you know one of the most confident, lively. Op- optimistic, positive, glass half full people you'll ever come across. And I am. I think I'm all those things. But equally, I'm a worrier. Um, I fret about everything. You know, it won't stop me taking chances and putting myself out there. But I worry a lot. Um, and and just around the time, you know, Florida did not let off sit into a school. Um, you had the roof pain. I just thought, I'm going to put this on, on, on Twitter and just say, basically, I don't, you know, it doesn't feel right to me that I end up on medication every time I'm in the Ofsted window. And and then I got a phone call off the BBC. You know, would you be willing to to come in tomorrow um, to talk about mental health and and Ofsted? And and I thought about it. I had about half an hour. Spoke to my deputy, one or two other people, and I thought, you know what, I'm going to do it because I haven't dared in the past. And I, I just I felt like I needed to empower myself. I needed to take a bit of control of what I could do and and speak up that. You know, I, I don't think it's okay what, 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 even now I'm trying to, you know, trying to consider how I word things. It's not okay what Oster does to people. And it's not just me. I've had too many meetings with head teachers who are so stressed, really strong, resilient people who've ended up taking a bit of time off, ended up on, on medication, who've, who've retired because they don't want to go through it again, who've quit because they haven't got it in them to go through another Ofsted. And these are, you know, these are good people. And and, and a couple of months back, somebody said to me, even the good ones are leaving now. And, and I just thought, I, I can't. I can't do this. It's not okay. It it does need to change. And, and I think for such a long time we've been afraid of it triggering an offstead, of riding people, upsetting that, you know, the, you know, the the, the powers that be. And I just thought, do you know what? Uh, I, I'm gonna do it. I'm not gonna be all emotive about it. I'm not gonna rant. I'm not gonna get angry, but I, I just want to explain that he's Mr. Confident, Mr. Happy Go Lucky, who actually really struggles when we're in the offstead window. So yeah, that that's that's how that came about. Right. Yeah. Thank you. And since then, a number of other people have spoken out, haven't they? Yeah. I mean, I, I literally, I, I got a couple of hundred messages uh, of support and saying thank you for speaking up and, and just being honest. And and even two or three weeks ago, I think there was a, even a reluctance to click like on a, on a on a tweet or a post. It sounds daft, but you could feel that people didn't want to be associated with something that might have been overtly critical of the Ofsted process. Mm. And and I think I, I think the seal is broken. If I'm totally honest, I think all of a sudden this you know it's a bit like the Emperor's New Clothes. We all know that it needs to change. 
we all know that it needs to change. It, it could be so much better. And and I think all of a sudden, you know, Amanda Spielman made a statement last week. We had the BBC at the weekend. And, and I think there's a groundswell of opinion. I think it's going to be one of those things that will change. I just hope it's sooner rather than later and we don't lose good people to retirement or changing jobs or, you know, heaven forbid doing something, you know, you know, more tragic suicides or anything. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Um, yeah. I, I mean, there's so much to pick up on there. There's, there's something that I find a bit puzzling about all of this. Um, and that, and it was something that Amanda Spielman said yesterday, like she acknowledged that there's a culture of fear around inspections um, and, you know, you just said, I haven't dared to speak out in the past. And it's sort of, we, we spoke a little bit off it before we started recording earlier that, you know, you don't want to feel like you're going to um, draw attention to yourself to actually to trigger an inspection that if you, if you become outspoken, they might think, oh, we're going to teach this person, you know, a lesson, you know, who knows whether, whether those kinds of conversations go on behind closed doors. Certainly there's a perception that, that certain, certain high profile uh, school leaders have, have felt like they've been targeted in the past. Let's just park that for now. The, 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 the thing that I have, that I struggle with, and I don't know whether you might be able to help me to understand this a bit, is that on the one hand, there's, there's this culture of fear um, around Ofsted and a sense that, that, there's, that, that it's not fair, that it's not objective. And then on the other hand, you've got this thing that, that Ofsted keep mentioning, and I think that Amanda Spielman mentioned it again yesterday, that Head teachers who've just been through an Ofsted inspection are often given this survey and they often report really quite high levels of satisfaction with the process. And, I've, and I'm trying to square that circle for the benefit of listeners. Dave is grinning. I imagine, I imagine that, you've, that you have uh, an answer to this question. And I've, I've got some inklings. I've read a few things, but what's going on here? What's like, help me, help, you know, help me our listeners. James is mad. It. It's mad. When, when you've been through Ofsted and you can have, relatively positive experiences. I'm yet to go through one way you think, oh, I wouldn't have said that. I wouldn't have done that. That's a bit unnecessary. Come on, give us the benefit of the doubt. However, you've been through the process. You're just glad that you've survived. You're just glad. You know that the, the overwhelming, I'm led to believe that the overwhelming majority of complaints are not upheld. You're just glad to have got through it. You've got through it. Leave me alone. We move on. And and the idea that I, I, my understanding, and I can't remember, so I'm not going to pretend that I do, but I have a feeling that some critics out there have, have criticised it because it's worded in such a way to kind of reaffirm, you know, you know what they want to hear, which is that it was okay. But the reality is, you're just happy to get through it. Um, and and I, I, it's funny because I, I knew you were going to say that. I was smiling. Um, I think we've we've just not found power to speak up. We've just Excuse me. We've just not felt empowered to speak up. Um, we are literally terrified, I think, uh, of you know, of, of saying the wrong thing, doing the wrong thing, not having the piece of paper. And when you know you're you're really proud of the job that you do, you think that you're good at your job. The kids get a good experience. The community is happy with what you're doing. We shouldn't have to live in fear of the wrong person coming in. And and making a judgment that 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 you know you you feel you've got to walk away from the job that you love, leave the school that you love, and and I'm not going anywhere. But I I that, that's how I feel. That's how most of our colleagues feel. I, no, none of us know how it will feel to go from good to requires improvement, or even you know even worse to to inadequate. I I don't know how I would cope with that. 
Um, you know, that, mm. that can't do anything for your mental health and your ego and, and everything else. Um, I, I've been, well, in, yeah, yeah. I, I was biased. in a school that, that was put into um, special measures once. Um, and it was brutal. It was absolutely brutal. And it felt so unfair as well because the, the school was under new leadership and it was clear that the, the, the to- a corner had been turned, but we hadn't had a, a set of exam results yet. And they came in May or June or something just before the exam results came out. And the senior leaders were saying, just just give us time, like just give us another few months and you'll see that things are better. And they were like, well, it's not there on paper now. And so measures it is for you. And that has such a detrimental impact on the community, on recruitment, on on funding, therefore, because the school is paid per pupil. Um, nobody puts a special measures or very few people put the special measures school down as a first choice. It affects house prices in the area. Like the, the consequences of these very subjective judgments are really far reaching. Um, and yeah, I, I know exactly. I, I totally understand what you mean about the terror, the, the impact that it could have on you. The, the, there's a bit of a sort of a, a sense that the head teachers, there's a bit of like football manager syndrome, isn't there? If you like have one bad season, then you're out on your ear and your ability to provide for your family is on the line. You know, it's unbelievably high stakes, stressful situation yeah. to find yourself in, isn't it? Um, and, and, you, and you said earlier that it could be so much better. So I wonder if we could move into, into thinking about just like the, the details of like, like what would you keep out of the current inspection framework? And what would you what would you get rid of, and what would you bring in in its place? How would you like things to change? Um, I've thought about that, and I'm even going to pull up. I I even made notes, <laughs> which I, I'm not one to to like write stuff down. I'd rather like talk to people and, and throw it out. Um, but I came I came up with a, a few different things. I think one safeguarding needs to be done more regularly, um, and I would almost make that separate. Um, it's crazy that you could be an outstanding school and you've not been through offset for 12 years, 15 years, I think I've heard of. 17. Um, I think the longest was 17 yeah. that I've seen. Yeah, it's a it's a long time. Um I I think um I do think it should be people who who have who've absolutely been head teachers. Um, and that's no disrespect to deputies, assistants, or anything like that, but I've I've been deputy head twice. Um I had a stint of acting headship uh, for two terms. And and I thought that that I knew what it would be like, you know, it'd be an easy step from acting head to to, to you know to to full substantive head, and and the reality is nothing could could prepare you for that ultimate responsibility and all the stresses and pressures that come with having the you know the ultimate accountability. Um, I, I think I understand. I remember back in the day, you, you might have a couple of weeks or even a couple of months. I can't remember exactly what it was. Preparing for an officer, you, you get quite a lot of notice. But I don't like the one day's notice. Um, you know, you, you might have some really serious meetings, um, you know, that, that you can't really rearrange or things that 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 need to go ahead. And the idea that I had some really serious meetings last week and, and I actually said, like, can you imagine, heaven forbid, we had the call during that time. It, it just wouldn't really have worked. I'd have been so stressed anyway to then go into that course. So I, I, I would do that. I think... Um, I think having the opportunity to put things right, particularly with safeguarding, I did read, I don't know if there's CQC, there's something out there that if you 
I've seen dependent skills, I think. I think the ring up, get a lot of information about safeguarding in advance. And if there's something you could put right quite quickly, you're given the opportunity to do that, which I think, you know, depending on what it was, would would be fair. Um, I, 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 I almost, I don't really like the word judgment, you know, because nobody really likes being judged. I, I almost want to change the inspector's names to coaches or advisors or, you know, something that feels a little bit more done with rather than to. And, and I think at the weekend, Amanda Spiel was, you know, almost suggested that it's not their job to in, in work alongside skills and improve. So I, I don't know, do you remember that bit? Yeah. That there was almost like that's not their role. They're there just to judge whether <laughs> things are, are going all right. Um, I've got a long list. I, I mean, you might shut me up at some point. Um, no, keep, more keep going. It's good. More I'll, localized I'm, I'm making notes, so I'll, I'll pick you up on some in a minute. Um, more localized approach. You know, we've got a brilliant advisor who knows the school well. You know, can there be a system in place for checking the work that they do? You know, almost early warning systems. The grades need to go. Um, I appreciate that, you know, there the needs to be some way of identifying skills that do need extra support. Um, I think an agreement with the profession, with you know, with with teachers, with unions, in terms of what they, what should be in this framework, um, removal of the embargo in terms of talking about we, we we've already touched on that one. Um, I think an independent reviewer for claims a bit like the is it the IPCC um, who if there's a complaint about police they go to this independent body. Um, it does feel a little bit like Ofsted mark their own homework. Um, Feedback's feedback sought from staff with the experience of the inspector. You know, it's really interesting that feedback on us is very public um, and, and very black and white. It would be interesting. I, I would imagine there'd be lots of inspectors out there that would be very uncomfortable with open feedback. You know, almost like you could have a, a rate my inspector and you choose who you buy into. You know, so it becomes a little bit market led that, you know, the good ones get more work and they work alongside skills and the ones that, you know, unfortunately don't. Um, you know, the, the school doesn't have a good experience with them. So I, I think there's that um, separate framework for primary and secondary and, and an appreciation that the challenges of skills in deprived areas and small skills, they do have different challenges. I think most people would would agree on that. Um, and, and, you know, making it more open and transparent um, for deferrals. Um, you know, I, I did, I've had quite a few messages sent to me about when defaults weren't accepted when when i think that they probably should have done um so those are those are some starters i must be pretty serious if i've made a list about them i don't i don't do list, like that kind of thing <laughs> that's the mate i've got 14 <laughs> 14 things on that list um yeah absolutely i love the idea of rate my inspector because because that that feedback that survey that that they keep citing and saying oh but look everybody everybody's really positive about their experience is not anonymous it's like straight after your inspection so they know who that you're saying and and i think that some people might be concerned that, that if the, if they're very critical of the chief inspector say before the report has been finalized that they might go away and you know add a few more you know comments in or potentially even ch change the grade but to have anonymized feedback a way a way for to to catch people's honest and robust views without fear of repercussion you would collect a very very different set of data and i think staff as well not just the head teacher because yeah. the reality is 12 years in I'm, I'm used to difficult conversations you know i'm okay with people being very frank with me i'd rather they were to be totally honest i can deal with that 
But for some staff who maybe aren't aren't used to you know to, to really difficult conversations, I think they, they 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 need they deserve a different approach, and it'll be interesting that I, you know I could imagine overnight a lot of inspectors would balk at the idea and they wouldn't want to do the job anymore. Yet that's what they come and do to us, and the, the, there's an irony that doesn't escape me there. Yeah, absolutely, and 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 as you mentioned earlier, the 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 way that they collect that data that needs to be designed by by social research scientists because like you said the way that some of those feedback statements are are worded like some of them say like you know the 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 inspection process was fair for example and it's like tick you know whatever like agree or disagree um but there's a there's a thing in surveys a thing called acquiescence bias where like whatever statement you put in front of people they tend to agree with it so if you ask people like recycling is important most people will go oh yeah yeah recycling is important and if you then say recycling is basically a waste of time like most of it ends up in a landfill most people agree with that as well and so you have to word some of the statements negatively and there are ways that you can that you can balance out that that acquiescence bias by having positively and negatively worded statements and what have you there's loads of things you can do to make it better but for sure like the data that we have on Ofsted is is flaky to say the least um yeah let's 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 go back to the first thing that you mentioned there about safeguarding you were saying that i mean like first of all it's ridiculous isn't it that if 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 ofsted thinks that safeguarding is so important that uh that they can say and tell an otherwise good or outstanding school that they're inadequate but but they they don't so then they don't see fit to to inspect some schools i think it'd been 13 years at Caversham since they'd had a full inspection if safeguarding is so important, <laughs> like you need to check it a bit more often. It's madness, surely. isn't it? Yeah, you, just... you know, there's certain things that all of a sudden the pennies drop. That that's mad. That's yeah. literally ludicrous. If that's it... what, if that's the most important thing of it, but you could have a school that you know they've not been doing DBS checks, that they've not been recruiting properly, and that is really serious. I get that absolutely, but don't leave. You know, don't leave it 15 years till you go <laughs> back. I mean, it's, it's crazy, and I think that I think that's what happened at the weekend. You know, we we can both see each other. We're, we're laughing, but it's the it's the the lunacy of all of it. All of a sudden, and I and I think what has changed is that we're living in a different world. You know, attendance is is more challenging. Behaviour is more you know more difficult to manage. You can't get the access to the services. We are living in such a different world. Let's let's respect that. Let's appreciate that, and 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 bring out some of the changes that that we really need to. Mm. Yeah, yeah, for sure. And 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 then there's something about the way in which Ofsted defines safeguarding. Like there was some instant, like, like like yesterday. One thing that was interesting was that she she asked her. I think the first question was, "Do you have confidence in the report at Caversham?" And she didn't say like we yes, there's been an investigation and we've you know we've really looked into it. She just sort of said, based on what I've seen, I don't have any reason to doubt it. But that's that sounds really subjective. Like, have you actually systematically looked at this and interviewed the people involved and and, and talked to and then it turned out that she hadn't that Ofsted hadn't even reached out to, to Ruth Perry's family. Um, I don't know whether they'd reached out to the school. And there was that horrendous, they changed it didn't they? But did you see that bullet point in the report um, where it sort of said, it was like information about the school and there was four bullet points. And one of them said, um, there's a new head teacher because the last one died. And then the next bullet point said, there, there's a breakfast club in the morning. It was just like, come on, like that's just so See, I, I, I actually, 
it, it didn't it didn't rest easy at all. I felt really sad watching that because I'm thinking, if we'd been through something like that, the first thing that I would have done is I'd have gone to see the family, you know, to to, to you know to check in to listen to the feedback. There absolutely would have been an investigation of the process, what was involved in it, was it fair? And and the fact that those things by, you know, my understanding is that they haven't gone ahead. I mean, the other thing I read at the weekend, and, and I need to fact check this one, but I'm sure didn't didn't they do an Ofsted trial um at Caversham and didn't Amanda Spielman actually go there? And it was commented on that, you know, it, it, everything was really, really good. I'm sure that I read that at the week. It's too weird to make that one up. I thought, yeah, I heard that there'd been a. I saw in something in a report that they had there'd been a, a visit, some sort of a monitoring visit or something two or three years ago, and everything was fine. I didn't know that it, that Amanda had had been there herself. I could but, be wrong, and forgive me if, I, if I'm wrong. I'm saying I'm, I'm not sure, but I thought I'd read that. I mean, there's so much out there to, to read about at the moment, but you can just feel it on social media over the weekend that they they're just not grasping. The fact that we we need something different now. It's not yeah. we, it's not that we want it. We need it. Yeah, and and there were also um, reports. I think that this came from her sister, and so it, again, you know, we can't verify all of this. But she said that there was a couple of things, like for example, the inspectors had seen a kid flossing, you know, doing the, that yeah. that dance in the playground, and they, they'd perceived that as like sexualized behavior. That there'd been a minor scuffle, like with kid, two kids in the playground which, you know, happens from time to time when kids are in playgrounds and it's dealt with, but that was considered to be like child-on-child child abuse or something. And I've heard other examples of, of like very sort of, um, you know, fairly minor or, or you know, fairly... The innocuous. flossing is one. The flossing is one, isn't it? I'm sure the flossing, that is, that's a definite. I'm sure that that's what, that, that's what I read as well. And I, I'm, I'm, I'm shaking my head here because I'm thinking, I've had me and the kids doing that at the front of assembly. Yeah, you know, I think I've done live Facebook videos with you know that that's not that's not an appropriate you know that's just a dance yeah. and that, that you know off, off TikTok or Fortnite or whatever it was online, you know it's just it says a lot more cool, about the inspector than it does about the school for sure you know but but just more generally about the way in which safeguarding is conceived like what what are your what's your feeling on that is there, is, is there any changes that you'd make there? I don't think so. Um, it feels very serious, but then rightly so. You got your single central record. You got your policies up to date. You know plans. Uh, you know of actions that you're going to take and so on. You know, I'm 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 thinking through. I'm trying to think of something that stands out. I would actually just do it more regularly. None of us have a problem with accountability. No, nobody. I've not heard anybody say they've got any problem with accountability. Mm. But let's make it fair. Let's make it human, kind, considerate, a supportive experience. No, I can't. I mean, I don't know if anybody else has said about safeguarding, but there isn't anything that that jumps out at me. I think, if anything, just gives us an opportunity opportunity to put it right. That's the important thing, isn't it? Yeah, they like, like right. people, people are talking about like an MOT, right? So that you you yeah. your MOT, but then you get to go and you know get twenty four hours to get your tires replaced or whatever, and then you get you yeah. get your pass certificate um, rather than being on the naughty step for the next eighteen months and all of the consequences that that has. Um, yeah, okay, thank you. That's interesting. Um, yeah, let me just have a quick down the list of things that you just talked about. Um, the independent reviewer, I think, is a is a really important one. That it does feel like like the, the, the complaints procedure is um like very few, very few complaints are upheld uh or, or taken seriously. Um 
Yeah, and and the idea of deferrals. So just to be clear, that's when when somebody says, actually, do you know what? Like, there's there's the head teacher's away, or there's something happening in the school calendar, and this isn't this isn't a good time to do this, um, and it just goes ahead anyway. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I feel quite strong in that one. I remember going on a residential with the kids a couple of months back, and we were about three hours away. And I actually, I only went for the second half of the week, knowing that by the time I left school, I knew the call wasn't coming that week. So my deputy went for the first half because you can't plan anything because you just worry that you're going to be in the wrong part of the country when you get that call. And it's just, it's no way to live. I understand the no notice that, you know, you can't just game the system, um, you know, they will get a, a realistic view of the school. But it just means that you you might have something... You know, you might have a, a whole scale trip to the to to the theatre Christmas for a pantomime or something. There are certain times that that it just doesn't make sense not for them to come in at that point in time. I mean, the other thing I'd probably add in is that certain points of the year, i.e., just before you're breaking up, um, just before Christmas, there are certain points in a primary school it just seems madness. You know, give us give us a give us a chance, guys. You know, it's Christmas in primary school, it's always going to be a bit lively. Yeah, right. Yeah. And so there's another question that that or another idea that I've been talking with people about recently. Like one of the things with with Ofsted is that it's a, it's quite a broad remit, isn't it? They're looking at all kinds of things, personal development, behavior, curriculums, huge assessment, what have you, safeguarding. And and given that, you know, they they're only able to get around to see schools on average once every 4 or 5 years. If you were talking about doing a safeguarding visit annually, which lots of people are now, they would surely have to slim down lots of the other stuff that they were that, that, that they're currently talking about. And one of the ideas that I've that I've been kicking around with some people is this idea of, of having like a local um arrangement where you would be partnered with another school locally and that could be administered by the DFE, right? And they tell you that you two are partnering with each other. And there's a there's a I've done this thing called research informed peer review Ripper, where two teams of people and it's a, like a cross sectional team from each school. So you would take the head teacher, a senior leader, a middle leader, a classroom teacher, an early career teacher, maybe a parent, a kid, a governor, uh, to a different school, and and you do reciprocal visits. And it's often like we we would often focus them around feedback. Because uh, that was just the, the topic of that project, but it could focus on behaviour or curriculum or any of those other things. Um, and you go and observe some lessons, and you do all of the stuff that that Ofsted do. You interview kids, you interview parents, you do some sort of a survey, and there's, there would be a reciprocal visit with this other local school, and you'd learn so much out of that process i think and it would be like based around you know it would be strengths based it'd be like you know what's got what's happening here that's really good and what can we learn from and you know what might you do next sort of thing um and so so one idea would be to have these sort of we were talking about them as like collective responsibility networks and so each year like let's say there's three terms one term there'd be a safeguarding visit from whatever you know some rebranded ofsted might be and then the other two terms, there'd be a visit to a local school and likewise a reciprocal visit to your school. Um, what do you think about that as an idea and what I, might be the arguments against it? You know, I've literally just added it to my list. I think I've just, <laughs> you can probably see me type, but I wasn't emailing. I, I, I absolutely love it. It's funny because I, that one of the things I had thought about 
Um, I think they call it somewhere in the country. I'm sure like you have a challenge partner. Um, and that's exciting. Can you imagine it? Pro, you know, in, you know, not necessarily an in, let's change it from an inspection process to an accountability process. I like that. I'm writing that one down as well. Um, and imagine that you could do with that. It's something that you work together with another school. You build that relationship up. You, you're able to, to, to build it up together. Um, you, you almost then can have the, the model that you have with, say, Key Stage 1 or Key Stage 2 or reception. You might get a monitoring visit. Every couple of years, you might get a monitoring visit to look at the work that you're doing, to check on the accountability. I absolutely, I get excited about that idea. We're okay with it. We've already got sacked. You know, that's a whole different conversation, but we've got all these assessments that already go on. Let, let's do it in such a way that brings about real positive and lasting change. Wouldn't that, you know, that would be brilliant. Wouldn't We'd it? all sign up for that, I'm sure. Because that's that's it. It would be based, I think, by Ofsted's own admission, like they aren't, they, they aren't in the business of improving schools. Um, they're in the business of, of, sort of making out like they can they can just drop into schools and and evaluate reliably where that school is at and i think that a just like from a social research perspective like you can't really reliably do that like you said you know like what was it if you're in a disadvantaged school you're four times less likely to get an outstanding judgment you know like so so what are they looking at when they're in those lessons like if if there's if they, essentially their judgment is totally biased by socioeconomic status of the of the community that that school serves, that seems to be what that is based on, or, or is it just that like it's, it, or is it just a coincidence that the teachers who happen to work in disadvantaged schools are less outstanding? Like that just seems ridiculous, doesn't it? It seems like they're, they're the methods that they use are not reliable. Um, it's just and, nonsense. And you know, so, when you look at the, you know, say that. Some of the the, the the more disadvantaged communities that I've served, life's tough out there. You know, you've got families who, who can't afford the bills, who've got all sorts of things going on in their life that the housing's not in the condition that you would like to. They're struggling for employment. That you know, we we need to be supporting these communities. Life is pretty tough for them. It's not the same as you know some of you during lockdown, a middle class family in a leafy lane with a big garden and brilliant Wi-Fi connections and, and devices each, and you know it, it it's not a level playing field. We we can't use the same framework for everybody. It just doesn't work. Yeah, yeah, completely. Um, and and yeah, and, and that that was the other thing that you said, which I loved a more localized approach, like having a local advisor who knows the school, who has a relationship with the school. Um. It just seems like it would be much richer, you know, that like the understanding and and we you could you could we could do away with the idea that you have to compare everybody on a level playing field because you know schools are so varied that you're not you're not comparing like with like and so comparing them all on the same four point scale that doesn't mean that you're being even handed and fair. It just means that you are applying a, an ill fitting tool to a very yeah. large diverse population of schools and people. And therefore, your methods are are whack, as the kids might say. Um, <laughs> yeah, absolutely. And so, um, what was I going to say then? There was something else. Um, just about just about about Flake Fleet. So, 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 are you in a window at the moment? Where, where yeah, we'll of... we'll be we'll we'll be five years in July, and and I think what what stresses me out is. Do you know what? I want, it's brilliant here. 
It's brilliant. It is. It is. I'm sorry. I'm really proud of it. Our staff are brilliant. The kids are brilliant. The community is brilliant. I'm dead proud of it. I think I do a really good job. I think our staff doing an amazing job. Our community is on board. The families are supportive. We're doing lots of exciting things. The building's in great nick. The behaviour's brilliant. I don't think we should have to worry about the next Ofsted, but we do because we serve a disadvantaged community. Times have been really tough over the last couple of years, and I really resent the fact that if we get the wrong team with the wrong agenda, this could all go wrong, and that's not fair. There should be no element of chance or luck to an in, uh, to an inspection process. Um, uh, you know, you devote your life to this when you when you are you know every level within school in a way you you devote to. But as a head teacher, you do you do devote your life to your school to your children. You know, you're getting emails all the time, phone calls. It does take over your life, and you put everything into it. And for it to be undone. And it, to make you feel absolutely rubbish on a, on a two-day process that maybe comes out with the wrong verdict. And I'm sure most of the time they get the right one, but it's the fear of the unknown, isn't it? It's the fear of where this might, mm. might go wrong. And and I just, I, I I really care deeply about my colleagues here. I care deeply about them further afield. And and I just see what it does. And I've got I've got an inbox, inbox full of hundreds of messages saying exactly the same as me. And, and I think people are starting to speak up and say, look, you know, what it does to us, it isn't conducive to, to running our skills. It's not it's not conducive for our children. It's not conducive for our partners at home, our families. And and, and look at what happened with Ruth Perry. And, and the sad reality is I, I, I feel quite strongly that this will happen again unless something changes. And, and it is going to change, so why not change it now rather than later? And it's one of the few things that's not going to cost us billions of pounds. We know we have mental health issues and, and getting them in specialist provision and, and so on. That will cost a huge amount of money. Reform and Ofsted won't, and it could be done pretty quickly. Yeah, absolutely. Oh, finally, if I may, just as a, as a last question, um, are you often hear from, from school leaders and head teachers that being in an Ofsted window constrains what you do. Like, the, the, people often say, oh, there's this really good project that I really want to get off the ground, but we're in an Ofsted window and we just sort of need to play it safe until, until the, the, the crosshairs have moved on to some other school and then we can do what we really think needs to happen. Is that something that you recognise also? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I think the, the reason that comes about is you'll be doing what you consider to be the things that matter you know, improving teaching, the experience of the children, supporting families, all of that, you're conscious that the 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 the, the small amount of um time flat, the, the non-essential, not the non-essential, not non-urgent. I'm trying to think of the best way to put it. You've got a bit of extra brain capacity that when you've got that little bit of extra brain capacity, it goes on the things that genuinely make a difference, the exciting things, the innovative things, the creative stuff. And I think when you're in the window, you're forever thinking, get that piece of paper checked, make sure that action plan's in place. You know, long-term stress, you know, it, 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 it trashes the body, doesn't it? You know, we can prove the, the impact on the body with cortisol and and, and sleep and, and, and all those other things that, that other more clever people know about, the, more about than me. Um, yeah, it, it, it is like that. And, and I've tried, I guess, what I get a kick out of is when, when you know coronation day we've got a circus coming a big top on the field and i've got, I've got a farm coming and, and i get a real kick out of that and i look forward to coming to school and the kids will look forward to coming to school and i, and I think that's why i do have to be stronger and and you know commit to doing those kind of things even when i am very very stressed it's just not as easy to do it 
Yeah, I can see that. Well, thank you, Dave, for for taking the time to to speak with me today. And thank you also for speaking out in the way that you did. It was a very courageous thing to do. It must have been a difficult thing to do to put your you know vulnerability out there um, for people to see. But it's I think it's really important what you did there, and it and it has opened the floodgates further. I know that another, another a number of other people have have come forward and shared the impact that it can have on their mental health and their sleep and what have you and their family life. Um, and that's the story here, isn't it? It's like, this is not an isolated incident. That, I think that that's what, I think that that seems to be what Ofsted are suggesting. They're like, it's really tragic about what happened with Ruth Perry, but let's just wait and see what the coroner report says. Suicide is never a one dimensional thing. And essentially, I think that they were su suggesting that, although they haven't said it, you know, in explicit words, but the fact that they're not talking about reforming or changing anything suggests that there's nothing to see here. Um, and actually, the real story is that there are many, many people out there in these 20,000 schools in England that that feel very similarly to you. And up until this point, people have been too afraid to speak out about it. Um, and it doesn't seem like this is going away anytime soon, does it? No, absolutely. I think you've, you've summed that up really nice. It's just, it's just sad that we've got to this point. I, I honestly, I love my job. Um, it's not the easiest at the best of times, but I do love it. And, and I just hope that the stress that I'm feeling, colleagues are feeling, that we, we can do something about it and focus on the things that matter within school, which is the children. Yeah, and the prize here is, you know, like the, 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 the way that your face became really animated when you were talking about, you know, imagine if that, that those 14 or 15 points that we came up with today, if that was just adopted and enacted from, from September, you know, we would have an amazing situation on our hands where we could celebrate all of the diversity and the strengths within our system. We can still be accountable in a better way, right? Instead of in a fear-based way, in a supportive way, in a more constant way, in a richer way, um, where we had more understanding of what's happening in our schools. It seems like there's loads of things that could be won out of this horrendous tragedy and this, this period yeah. of, of the painful reflection that we're going through. There's lots of there's lots of prizes on the table if we can figure out how to how to make that happen. Absolutely, no, I totally agree. Um, so I've, I've quite enjoyed tuning it over, really. Um, just hope things change, James. I just hope things change. Mm. Well, let's just make it happen instead of just hoping. That's what we should All do. Right. Leave leave it with us. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks so much, Dave. No worries. Thanks for having me, James. Time is a measure of change. We don't have much time. Time is a measure of change.